Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to A Moment with the Colonel. Tonight, our guest host is Danny Morano, who is sitting in for the Colonel while he's absent. We encourage you to visit Mr. Morano's website, GodIsNotReligious.net. His mission is to bring you into a new understanding of God, as he believes God wants dialogue with his people, and in so doing, to bring you into a new dimension of knowing him. Now, here is Danny Morano. on uh, a moment with the colonel this evening looking forward to a great time uh, we've been on the witness project with sister D who will also be along with us tonight uh, kind of out there in the peanut gallery I'm sure she'll feel led to jump in here and there and we have brother Chuck to taking care of all the technical stuff I really appreciate him and what he's doing and I appreciate the colonel and I send this out to him if he has a chance to hear it thank you very much sir for putting your trust in me and uh, giving me this uh, great opportunity, this invitation to minister to your group of people. So we're looking forward to a good night tonight. I also have my folks on from God is Not Religious. They're uh, listening via Zoom and Facebook. So uh, they'll also be interacting through the Facebook medium and uh, through the Zoom app. So I also... Uh, welcome all of you, and thank you for joining in, and we look forward to a big crowd. We also have these crowd, I believe, uh, from the Witness Project, folks that are either online from Facebook or uh, tuned into her website. So we're just excited to have a nice group of people and get into some great things. So let me start off just by giving you my information. You'll hear it at, at the uh, end of the program as well, but let me just give it to you directly myself as well. Uh, I have a website. It's called godisnotreligious.net where you can visit, and we have many, many resources. You'll see many of my teachings, many videos. My books are up there to view and purchase. Uh, we have many great articles on there of interest to those who are really, uh, you know, looking at what God is doing on the cutting edge and what's happening in our world when it comes to the spiritual warfare that we're dealing with. And uh, you can also, of course, support the ministry through that means. There's a donation button and there's a donation page as well, among many other things that you can view. Also, we have a Facebook page simply called God is Not Religious. So if you're a Facebooker, you can find us on Facebook, God is Not Religious. And we also have a YouTube channel of the same uh, name, God is Not Religious. So you can find us on all those resources. Please feel free to contact us and interact with us. We'd love to hear from you, and if you have any questions or things you'd want to discuss with me, I will do my best to get back with you as quickly as I possibly can through any of those mediums. So we're pretty excited. I want to share with you uh, at the beginning of this program what I'm most excited about. 
uh, we were on Sister D's program, The Witness Project, a few months ago, and a couple of other uh, major programs, Sheila Zelensky and so on, and letting the folks know about the open door that God has given us in the Far East, in Asia. We are so excited. Uh, just a brief history, the Lord opened the door to me to the nation of India over a quarter of a century ago. I was a little snot-nosed kid, and God sent these two Indian apostles up to me at a Christian conference and said, hey, how'd you like to go to India? And I said, sure, why not? It wasn't quite that simple, but uh, God led me to go there, and I went to North India at that time, and what an experience I had. What an education. Of course, I was able to minister, bring the ministry of the Spirit, healing, deliverance, God's Word, and so on and so forth, but I also was exposed to a culture that was so foreign to mine, and um, also a culture where things were not so easy. Like uh, my experience had been as a Christian pretty much in the good old United States of Mystery Babylon. Uh, over there you actually had real active persecution and uh, we could not do outdoor air meetings and things like this. In fact, even when we held the water baptisms, which the pastors there did themselves, they asked us to stay out of sight because they didn't want the militant Hindus to see any Westerners on site because they would perceive this as a Western religious exercise that would be supporting these poor, lowly Christians financially and so on, and God forbid that should happen, right? So um, that, that was very interesting, but what a life changer that was. And then about 10 years later, the Lord opened the door again for me to go, uh, through uh, an Indian businessman. Again, I was at a Christian conference, hoping that, you know, the businessman came up to me, felt led of the Lord, said, brother, I just feel the Holy Spirit is asking me to set you up to come to India to preach, and we have a big conference going on with Prophet Ezekiel Francis. Uh, I really believe you should come. And anyway, I actually met him at the towers this was before the towers went down i met him in new york city never forget that we had a nice lunch at the tavern on the green and we set everything up and i went off to india once again again very powerful meetings god's spirit moved very powerfully and i was received very well and so on and so forth i uh, went a couple of other times i won't go into a lot of details but recently in the last uh almost two years now, God finally opened the door again for me. It had been another 10 years or so. Uh, there are many reasons for that that I won't go into for time's sake, maybe another time, but God opened the door for me to go uh, back to India again. Uh, and we were in southern India, in the state of Andhra Pradesh. And we had a great series of meetings. Uh, what's really exciting there is that I have 
the pastors on board. When we go there, we have pastors' conferences. Literally, people, and I'm not exaggerating, thousands of Indian pastors come to sit under this apostolic teaching and receive this apostolic importation for supernatural ministry. Um, I'm very excited because I've gone there with a pretty radical word of the Lord, which many of you will experience if you are listening to me. Um, and I've just been so excited to see how the nation of India has taken on the true apostolic word of God for the hour. Uh, these Indians are also under persecution. There's a militant Hindu government in place right now that is very aggressive against the, not only the advancement, but the maintenance of the Christian faith in India. They're working against it. Uh, but these brave souls are standing with me. They can't wait there again, once again, to do uh, large healing crusades and also to do these pastors' conferences. Uh, not only do I do the conferences and the healing crusades, but many of these pastors come to me for individual counsel, and we sit together and we break the bread of the Word of God together. And they have many questions. They have many um, things that, you know, from the teaching that have kind of shaken a little bit of their foundation, and they want to discuss those things, and we do all that. And it's just been a beautiful exchange, and we're looking forward to going there in June. We're going to take the whole month of June, and we're going to cover uh, a large portion, again, of the state of Andhra Pradesh, and we may also get up into the north a little bit again, which I haven't been up in the north, as I say, in probably 25 years. So this is this is amazing. So I ask for your prayers for that. And, of course, I appeal to you. I'm not shy about asking for money. I know a lot of Christians get all, you know, nervous about asking for money. Well, you know, there are enough crooks out there stealing your money that I don't feel bashful to ask for, for money for the real gospel. Uh, you know, many of you have already stopped giving to the prosperity pimps and thieves posing as preachers and teachers, and you're looking where you're supposed to, quote-unquote, sow your financial seed. Well, I appeal to you to look into this, what they call 30-40 window. Uh, in India alone, there are 1.2 billion people. Can you imagine? I think in the United States of America, there's 330 or to 350 million, something like that. In India alone, 1.2 billion people. And supposedly, according to the statistic, there's 1% that are Christians. Now, again, with that 1%, you got to take in everything, don't you, that comes under the definition of Christianity. So what does that really mean is the question. Uh, regardless, there's an open harvest field that has not even been tapped. And I appeal to you Americans, Australians, Europe, Western Europeans, you know, Canadians, do you know that the median age in our countries is about 50 to 55 years old? That's the median age. The median age is in countries like India? 25. So you ask yourself where the future of the gospel is when it comes to what Jesus said needed to happen for him to return, that the gospel be published in all the earth. 
and God says, hey, are you a good investor? All right, so where are you going to put your investment? You're going to invest where the sun is setting or you're going to invest where the sun is rising? <laughs> That's actually literal geographically. But spiritually speaking, okay, we're going to invest our time, effort, resources, money, energy into the part of the world where the sun is setting on Christianity, where it's already dipped into deep apostasy and agnosticism and practically atheism, or are we going to go to the part of the world where they're under 30 years old and they're wide open, okay? Uh, they're also, like our young people are... Um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, not excited so much about Christianity anymore because they've seen so much. Uh, over there, they're also, uh, you know, discouraged with their religions, you know, Hinduism and Islam. You know, they've seen through a lot of the hypocrisy and violence and murder and, you know, blood stain of those religions over there. And they've also seen through false Christendom. Christianity, and they're looking for the real God. So are we going to go and bring them the real God? Well, I know that God has called me to do that, and God has called several others, and I just appeal to you, and maybe everybody can't go, and that's understandable, and that's fine, but everyone can go in spirit, and everyone can go in wallet. And that's what America, appealing to Americans tonight, that's what America has had as a legacy. That's one good thing. We can say a lot of negative things about America, but historically, America has had the landmark of or the hallmark of being generous and giving to foreign missions. Unfortunately, that has been changing over the last 20 to 30 years with this seeker-friendly uh, prosperity pimp uh, CEO pastor thing and church uh, cult thing going on where all the uh, Christians care about is their, their little empire, their little church building, and their little uh, pope pastor, and everything's about building that that ministry. And, you know, we've become very insular, very myopic, and we don't see the rest of the world. And that's a real shame. And this, break Jesus, this breaks Jesus' heart. And Jesus wants that to change. And I know that there is a remnant of people. I know several of them. Several of them are involved in my ministry. Several of them are involved in other ministries. I believe the ministry is represented on this call tonight. And God is calling us. God is calling us to change our focus, to allow him to give us his eyes, right? Didn't Jesus say in Revelation, pray to me and ask me, and I will anoint your eyes with my eyes salve, that you may see what is important to me. Now, am I saying God doesn't care about Americans and Europeans and so on? Of course not. But I think that this part of the world is spoiled, that they've had every form of gospel, you know, perverted, twisted, or correct, where other places on this planet have not even had a chance once to hear a proper presentation of the love and power of Jesus. So I appeal to you. I'm even more excited that God has not only opened India to us, but he's opened up their rival neighbors, Pakistan, 
This is amazing, people. Pakistan is open. God has opened the door in Pakistan for me to go and preach the gospel. If those of you are interested in seeing this, as I told you, go to my website, go to my Facebook page. You can see the Ecclesia meetings, okay, the group of Muslims that are already meeting every week with me via the Internet through Skype, and I am discipling these people. Uh, their pastor, if this is what you want to call him, their true shepherd over there is a young man, again, in his 20s, probably about 25 to 30, somewhere in there, and a single man, God has called this young man to give his life for the gospel. He's going to villages and towns, and he's preaching the word, and he's compelling them to come in. He gathers these people together, and he brings them in. And, of course, he, he preaches to them and t teaches the best he can. And But he's hooked them up with our ministry. And I come on once a week, and I apostolically shepherd he and his people together, and they are so excited. We just got them some Bibles the other week, sent some money over there for them to get some Bibles. They're all excited. They sent me a video. If you go, again, if you go to my Facebook page, you'll see it. Uh, the, the young pastor put together a little video, and the people are standing there holding up so proud, holding up their brand-new Bibles in uh, their Pakistani language. Uh, they're not holding a Quran. They're holding a Bible, praise God. All right? And, um, you know, they're coming faithfully every week to listen. Many of them are waiting for me to get there, which will be, uh, Lord willing, the last week of May. I will go there for a week, the last week of May, to hold meetings, crusades, and also conferences with the pastors. And uh, after that, we will move on into India. So please pray for me, folks. I need your prayers and your financial support. I need to get approved again for my visa for India. And I need to get approved for a visa for Pakistan. Okay? And we don't have a lot of time. So, But this is God's time. This is the time that, that he wants me to go. So we're just believing for that. We're believing for a great harvest. I mean, this is unprecedented. This is just an incredible opportunity. Who knows the fire that can spread? Lenin said before he blew up the world with the communist revolution, a spark will kindle a flame. By the few, we shall take over the many. And he did it. Hitler started in a, a putschbrau, okay, a bar in Germany preaching his anti-Semitic uh, doctrine, and he blew up the world with it. So if Satan's people can do it, how much more can Jesus' people, if they have a little bit of faith and we join together? If two of us shall agree on earth, it's touching any one thing, we shall have what we say. We shall even speak out, and if we do not doubt, we believe in our hearts, believe in Christ and in the Father. We can say to that mountain, be rooted up and cast into the sea. And that's what we're going to say to Islam, and that's what we're going to say to Hinduism, and yes, that's what we're going to say to false Christianity, false Christendom, that has given the people over there the wrong 
message and the wrong example of who Christ really is. So I just appeal to you, folks, join with us and help us win that part of the world. Um, again, uh, I need your help. I'm raising right now. I've also got a GoFundMe going at the excuse me at the moment. You might see that up on the internet as well. And realistically, we're trying to raise at least between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars. That's what I need to do all these meetings, to do the travel, to take care of the pastors. These pastors travel from hundreds of miles away many times to get to the meetings. They need to, they, some of them need help with transportation. Some of them need, uh, and all of them need food when they come. Uh, so we, and many of them bring their wives with them. So it's the pastors and their wives to come to the conferences. And in some cases, we also try to help to get the people to the crusades so that they can hear the word of God and we'll put out uh, money for transportation to do that as well and so on. So, uh, you know, there might be people listening to me tonight who could just sit down and write a check very easily and invest into this. And I want to thank, take this moment right now to thank all of you that have already been giving my people. Uh, thank you so much for your support, for believing in this vision, for sowing into it financially, for praying for it, and uh, and being present. And I also want to thank Sister D personally for being involved and her, some of her people for being involved and several others that have gotten on board with this vision and helped me go the last time, and I appeal to you to help me go this next time. Amen? So praise the Lord. We also have a couple of people that are praying about whether or not they want to come along. So just put all that in prayer. This is an explosion, people. So for those of you who are discouraged with the circus over here, and I'm going to get into that in the next portion of the program here, if you're, uh, if you're discouraged with the three-ring circus that you see going on over here called the church, uh, and you're discouraged and you say, what's going on? This is just apostate. People don't believe anymore. They're preaching false doctrine. They're getting into witchcraft and weirdness. Uh, people, even in the church, don't really believe. They don't even know what Jesus said and so on. If, if you're experiencing that disillusionment and discouragement, I want to encourage you tonight. I want to encourage you that God is not finished. And, you know, I know many of you who grew up in the United States in Mystery Babylon really believe that the book of Genesis starts off in the beginning was the United States of America. And the spirit of democracy moved upon the waters. And the republic came together as one mass in the middle of the seas and was released the spirit of, of republicanism and capitalism. But you know what? The world is much bigger than that, people. It's bigger than the Republican Party. It's bigger than the NRA. It's bigger than uh, the evangelical component of the voting bloc in the United States, okay? It's bigger than all that. God loves all these, yes, dark people on the other side of the planet, too, who've never heard the representation. And in fact, many of the ancestors of the lighter folks over here have been involved in going over there and bringing 
the wrong representation, okay? Not everyone with, with evil motive and intent. We walk in the light that we have, right? Well, the question is, do we have more light now? Well, I hope so. I believe many of us do, and I believe that every day we're getting more light, and God is shining. For those who want it, for those who want to really know who Christ really is, and it's Christ whom they seek, okay, not the church, not uh, the right political party, not Cyrus the Great in form of casino man who's going to make everything better, okay, and keep those evil, wicked, abortionist Democrats out of office. I understand all that, people, all right? I understand uh, the wickedness that's going on, okay? But again, first of all, it's going on on both sides of the aisle. And secondly, what has Jesus called us to do? What is the calling of the true people of Christ? Did Jesus call his people to change the world? And if many of you are honest, your first uh, impulse, reaction, reflex to that question would be, yes, Jesus wants us to change our world. Well, I hate to break it to you, but if you really study the scriptures, and you look at the words of the true Yeshua Mashiach, okay, the true Jesus of Nazareth, and what he said about who he is and who his people are and what he wants to build, that's not his commission. Many of us can quote the Great Commission, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things which we, I have taught you to observe, so on and so forth. We read it that way, but we hear it this way. Go into all the world and change the world and make it Christian, and make it Republican, and bring it back to its Christian roots, okay, like in this country here in America, bringing America back to God, uh, which is really kind of a ridiculous statement for anyone who really does any diligent study of the origins of America. How can you bring something back somewhere it's never been, okay? And that goes for all nations, and that's what God has called me to preach to his people, that there is no nation under heaven that is God's nation, that is a godly nation, that is a Christian nation. And that's not because... Uh, just because of rebellion and they don't want to be and people are just so evil and the demons and the fallen. No, it's not God's plan. Okay? Jesus Christ did not come to build a godly nation on the earth. Jesus Christ did not come to form a Christian kingdom on the earth. Jesus Christ did not come to create a new religion called Christianity. This might hit some of your your ears weird, but I, I challenge you to listen to what I'm saying by the Spirit and go to the Lord and ask him to show you this. Jesus Christ did not come to form 
and a new religion called Christianity that he would be the new God of. Jesus Christ did not come to form an institution, a system, an organization, and a, a physical entity in the natural called the church. Jesus did not come to form that. He did not come to create that. Well, what did Jesus come to create, according to Scripture? Well, I challenge you to go to the letter ascribed to Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, and look at what Jesus came to build, what Jesus came to create. Jesus came. Are you ready for this? Jesus came to create a new race. Jesus Christ came to create a new supernatural, spiritual, born again of the Spirit, filled race. That's what Jesus came to create. And we have that in the story of Nicodemus when he meets with Nicodemus. Nicodemus wanted to know. What did he want to know? He wanted to know if Jesus was really the Messiah. Was he David's son? Was he the new David that was going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel? In his mind, the kingdom of God on earth. Is that what Jesus came to do? Was he coming to restore Israel to its greatness? Would he subjugate their enemies and bring them under their feet? And would Rome be conquered through Christ as the Messiah? And Israel be exalted in Jerusalem, become the capital of the earth, and God would rule through his new uh, Messiah from Jerusalem. And I think Nicodemus was really blown away when Jesus completely different direction. He told him, you can't even see the kingdom of God, sir. You cannot even see the kingdom of God unless you are born again of the Spirit from on high. This is what I've come to do. I haven't come to change Rome. I haven't come to change Israel. I haven't come to change the world. I've come to change you. To cause you to die to who you are right now, to be buried, and to be resurrected as a brand new creature. If any man would see the kingdom of God, much less participate in it, be a part of it, experience it, if any man would even see the kingdom of God... He must be born again of the Spirit from on high. What does that mean, folks? Well, Paul cleared it up for us. He made this statement, Behold, which means look hard, listen, sit down, stop tweeting, stop Instagramming, stop uh, hashtagging, sit down, be quiet, and listen to this for a minute. Behold, if any man be in Christ... 
he is a new creature. He didn't say he has been converted to a new religion. He has a new mindset. He's taken on a new philosophy. He's living by a different law. No, he said, if any man be in Christ, okay, not, he didn't even say believe on Christ, okay, Have, having said the sinner's prayer, saved by Christ. No, he said in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? A new creature. When Paul said a new creature, he was not just speaking spiritually, people. He was also speaking physiologically. He was talking about a transformation from the inside out, born again. That Nicodemus understood the import of what he was saying because he said to him, what are you talking about? How can I be born again? Should I go back into my mother's womb and come out again? He understood that Jesus was not talking about a a spiritual or mental ascent to a spiritual truth about about who Jesus was, you know, getting saved spiritually, uh, you know, through a prayer or even through dipping in water and being baptized. He understood that Jesus was talking about a, a, a supernatural transformation of one form of life completely to another. That's why he answered him that way. And he said, what am I supposed to do? How, how do I do this? It's physically impossible. How do I go back into my mother's womb and come out a new creature? And that's when Jesus explained to him, what is born of the flesh is flesh. But what is born of the Spirit is spirit, for the flesh profits nothing, Jesus said, but the Spirit gives life. And the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. I tell you that you must be born again from on high. And he said, it's a completely different thing. It's a strange, mystical, mysterious thing in a way. He said, those who are born of the Spirit, they're like the wind blowing through the trees. You see the effect of it, but you do not know where the wind has come from and where the wind is going. You only see the effect of the wind on the fleshly or earthly elements. So he was letting us know that it's an absolutely supernatural thing that the human mind, the human psyche cannot comprehend without God's supernatural intervention helping them to do so. Okay? So Jesus came not to start, not to change the religion, not even to modify the religion, because many Christians believe Jesus came and he modified the Hebrew religion. He brought it to its next stage, so to speak. So now, instead of having Judaism, we have Christianity, okay? But that's not what Jesus came to do either. Jesus came to form a completely new supernatural race. He did not come to restore to revive, to reform, 
the nation of Israel, just as Jesus is not going to come, and I want you to hear me good, churchgoers, well-meaning churchgoers, I want you to hear me well. Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, is not coming to reform. He's not coming to restore. He's not coming to revive the church. He's coming. He's always coming. He's been coming. He's still coming. And he will keep on coming to those who hear his voice. For he said, my sheep hear my voice. And the voice of another they will not hear. And he's coming to transform those people into another creature altogether. Listen to what Paul says. Behold, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Now listen to the next part. Old things are passed away. Isn't that what we say when people die? Oh, the poor guy, he passed away. Oh, yes, my my grandmother passed away. Paul was using it in the same way. Old things, that old man, just like Jesus was telling Nicodemus, that old man has to die. He doesn't need to be reformed. He doesn't need to be revived. He doesn't need to be renewed. Whatever words, restored, whatever words we want to use, okay? Religious words we want to use, buzzwords and catchphrases. None of that. Man must die. Old things are passed away. And then Paul brings it out again very strongly. Give attention to the next thing I'm going to say, he says. He uses the word behold. Again, behold, all things are become new. That's why Paul talks about in Romans 6, putting off the old man and putting on the new man. He doesn't say clean the old man up, revive the old man, restore the old man, renew the old man, reform the old man. He doesn't say any of that. He doesn't say fix the old man. He says the old man is to be put to death. And there's a new man in Christ who rises to life. This is what Jesus has come to do, people. He's come to create a new race. And that new race is first spiritually resurrected, as some some of us have experienced. We've been born again of the Spirit from on high. But it will also be a literal, physical, physiological phenomenon. We have it. Yeah, those scriptures that you use to sensationalism to talk about this rapture nonsense. What these scriptures really mean, the emphasis is on the changing of our physical state. What does Paul say? He says, corruption will put on incorruption. Mortality will put on immortality. Terrestrial or earthly will put on celestial or heavenly. When Christ returns, just as he is, 
the writer of the letter of John says, for we know not what we shall be, but this much we know. As he is, we shall be like him. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that we will receive resurrected celestial bodies just like our master Christ received at his resurrection. A new race, people. A new race. Then, then the kingdom of God will appear on the earth. And there will be a godly nation, a Christ-like or Christ-birth and Christ-ruled nation when Jesus reigns over the earth for a thousand years from Jerusalem. Then we will have this godly nation. And it won't be Republican, and it won't be Democrat, and it won't be American. It will be a supernatural race of regenerated, supernatural little Christs. That's what Christian means. Okay? You say, I'm a Christian. Do you know what it means? Christian means little Christ. Okay? Now, now get confused. I'm not saying little God. I'm not preaching theosophy. I'm not preaching what Copeland and the gang preach, okay, about us being little gods. No, I'm talking about being little Christs because we will be just like him. Okay, Jesus is the first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that Jesus is the first fruits of the brethren of this new race. So if he's the first fruits, that means there are fruits that are coming after. Okay, not like in the counterfeit church today. There are many fruits that are running around. But real fruit of the Spirit of God, people, okay? Real fruit of the Spirit of God, true Christ-like beings. I'll throw this in here right now. I wrote a book called Who Are the Aliens? Everyone's trying to figure out who the aliens are. And, you know, according to that understanding, I gave those definitions of who the aliens are according to what the world is talking about. But you know what? Who are the real aliens on this earth? And who are the real aliens that are going to come from the heavens? Well, that's us people. Scripture tells us in Hebrews and in other places, Peter again, First Peter again, says that we are supposed to walk as exiles, as strangers, as pilgrims, as aliens on this earth. Why? Because again, the scripture says, our citizenship is in heaven. We belong to the new Jerusalem, which is in heaven, who is the mother of us all, Paul writes in Galatians. Okay? Our citizenship is in heaven. 
That's why we're not called to save the world. We're not called to change this world because, again, in the letter of Peter, we're told that this world has already been put under God's judgment. The writer of that letter lets us know that God sees this earth, this world system, everything in this age before Christ's return physically, everything in this age as a worn-out old garment which is fit to be burned. And he goes on to explain that the elements will burn with fire. God is going to judge all nations. Sorry to break it to you, even the United States of apostasy and even the Rothschild state of Israel, God is going to judge all nations. No, no nation on this earth is God's nation. Why? Because only the invisible nation is God's nation. That's why in Peter, the writer writes again. He says, we are what? We are a chosen generation, or another translation says, a chosen race, a spiritual nation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar or otherworldly people, not of this earth, but born of the Spirit. He says again that we are being built up as lively stones into a spiritual house. We are not natural men who are building physical houses of worship, even though if you look at what's called the church today, you would think that's what Jesus called us to do, and that's what the writers of Scripture have commanded us to do, that dead men should build houses of dead stone and call them churches and worship God in them as if we're still under the law in, and worshiping in temples. But the New Testament preaches something completely different. The New Testament tells us that we are the temple of God. We are the house of God. So. I know it sounds wonderful and religious every Sunday morning when you go to your seeker-friendly fest to stand up and say, isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Well, as good as that all sounds, it's not true, people. Because Jesus never told us to go build houses for God. He told us we are God's house we are God's habitation. We are God's temple. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. This is what the New Testament teaches, Christian. It does not teach that we are to live up to the definition of the actual word church, kieka in Latin, which is a pagan temple. That's not what we're supposed to build. But we are supposed to be being built up. We, the people. Okay? Listen to we, the people, in this sense. Get out of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. I know you think that's it somewhere in the Bible, but it's not. We, the people, are supposed to be being built up into a spiritual house. We, as lively stones, we, as 
born-again stones. We as regenerated, so spiritual beings are being built up into a spiritual house. And Jesus himself is the living stone, the foundation of that house. And that house is the invisible nation. That house is the spiritual nation that Christ is building. Christ is not looking to reform, revive, renew, restore, remake, re-legislate any nation on this earth that is under the dominion and rule of fallen angels according to God's will right now. That's why when Satan came up to Jesus in the temptation, you all know the story. Satan came up to Jesus, and his last temptation was to offer him all, listen to me, all the kingdoms of this world. He stood before Christ, and he showed him. However he did it, supernaturally, opened his eyes spiritually, whatever he did. He took him to a high place. He showed him all the kingdoms of this world. He said, these are mine. They are in my power, and they are in my authority, and I have the authority to give these to any that I wish to give. I will give you all these kingdoms if you bow and worship me. Now, Jesus didn't retort, and he didn't say, well, yeah, you can give me all those, uh, you know, nations of the Nephilim and all those wicked pagan nations, but you can't give me Israel because Israel is God's nation. And he didn't say, and there are two nations coming, two millennia from now, that will be exclusively my nations and my father's nations, the, the rebirthed nation of Israel and the United States of America, you can't offer me those because those are already mine, and I will bring them back to myself and revive them in the last days. He didn't say any of that. He acknowledged that what Satan said was fact that every nation on this earth was under the dominion of fallen angels. And until he accomplished his finished work on the tree of reconciling men to God, and until he finished the work of drawing all men to himself throughout however many centuries he would choose to do, and would return himself, these nations would belong to the fallen angels and their dominion. So we are aliens and strangers and exiles and pilgrims in this earth. So you well-meaning Christians, and some of you that have been listening to me for 150 years, I still see your posts on Facebook about saving America and bringing America back to God and restoring our nation and our nation and our country and our president and our political party. Well, people... You have not grasped who you are. You have an identity crisis, if that's the way you think. You have not understood the message of the new covenant that Jesus gave us 
with his body and his blood. Jesus is not interested in America coming back to God because America was never of God. There is only one nation and one people that is of God. There is one king and one kingdom. I've said this many times. The first believers in Christ, the first disciples of Christ in the first couple of centuries, they were not martyred because they worshipped Jesus in their temples on Sunday. They were martyred because they bowed to Christ and acknowledged Christ as their king and acknowledged his kingdom to the exclusion of all others. They would not bow to the emperor who was said to be God manifest on earth. And they would not claim the Roman Empire, listen to me good, as God's kingdom on earth, or the kingdom of the gods on earth. They would not bow to that. This is why Nero and Caligula and the rest of these wackos, they were not so concerned about this little group that met, you know, in people's houses and worshipped this other little god called Jesus, some Jew that got crucified or some nonsense. They were not worried about that. But when they made a shaking at the very roots of the Roman Empire, because they would not bow, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and the billy goat would not bow to the image, that's when the trouble started. So do you hear me, you Trumpers? Do you hear me, you Republicans? Do you hear me, you gun in one hand, Bible in the other? Flag in one hand, uh, Bible in the other? Do you hear me, you worshiping Christians, but I'm also a member of the Freemasonic Lodge? Are you listening to me? Who do you serve to the exclusion of all others? Do you have one king and one kingdom? Or are you schizophrenic? Are you spiritually schizophrenic? And you're like the Jews of old who need a king like other nations that they can see. Well, go on and read the rest of the story. It was, as, as this king would tell you, it was a disaster. It was a disaster. Saul was a disaster. If Trump was there, he would say, Saul was a disaster. All right? So, people, who, to whom do you belong? Who is your king? And what is your kingdom? Is your kingdom the church? Okay, maybe some of you are outside and say, no, I'm not, I'm not like that. I'm not politically involved to that degree like that. I'm not, you know, my, my, my Christianity is not about republicanism and Americanism and so on. No, no, I belong to the church. Really? Do you know what the word means? Do you know where the concept of church came from? Are you loyal to that Constantinian concept 
of the kingdom of God ruling on earth from the Vatican City of Rome? Is it, are, you, are you aware of what you're talking about? When you say you belong to the church, you're part of the church. Now listen to me, people. I preached this for many, many years, and I've even made the delineation between the counterfeit church and the real church and so on. And there was a lot of truth in what I preach. I've written books about it. I've got to go back and edit and change a lot of stuff now because God has opened my eyes even wider. God said, this is great that you're revealing, you know, the counterfeit church and, you know, all this stuff. I said, let's go a little deeper. Let's take the axe to the root of the tree, son. Let's take the axe to the root of the tree. Is that the word that I used? Is that the concept that I birthed when I was on the earth? This thing that you and your brothers and sisters keep talking about called church? Is that what I what I what I came to form? You sure that's the word? Is that the translation of the word in the scriptures in Greek? Is it a translation? What is the word? Of course, I studied all. I've been studying that out for years. Okay, and many of you may already know this, that the word is ecclesia in the Greek. What does that word mean? Well, it means the gathering together of the called out ones. It actually was... Uh, taken from a, a Greek concept where there were people that were called out of the mass of the Greek population, called out, chosen. They gathered together to make decisions for the polis, for the community. Yeah, Metrop metropolis, that's where that comes from. Metropolitan, that comes from the polity, the polis. That means the people, the community of people. So there were a, a selected group of people that were called out of the mass of people to make decisions for the people and so on and so forth, okay? That's where the idea came from. So... Kaleo is the root of that in Greek, kaleo, which means called out. Ecclesia means called out. So when Jesus spoke and he used the word, and when the rest of the New Testament used the word, that was the concept that they were putting forth. The emphasis was on people. There's nothing in that word that denotes a structure, that denotes a building, detution, or denotes a system, even of religious belief, even of the correct religious belief. There's nothing inherent in that word, ecclesia, that has anything to do with physical structure, uh, organization, institution, so on and so forth, religious or not. It's talking about the people themselves, and the definition has to do with them being called out from the rest of the community, separated. Now, isn't it interesting that the concept of the New Testament letters and Jesus himself, the concepts that they bring forth when they talk about how the people of God should be matches that definition? 
that they should be a people called out. They should be a people separated. Come out of her. Come out from among them. This is the language that the New Testament uses. New Testament says, come out from among them and be ye separate, and I will receive you as my sons and daughters. That's what God says in Revelation. Come out of her, my people. Speaking of Mystery Babylon, which this time I don't have time to get into. We're not going to have enough time. We'll get into it the next time. Christ says, come out of her, my people. Be ye not partakers of her sins. And receive not of her plagues. Come out. That's the definition of the word that Jesus used. Now listen to me. When Jesus said, thou art Peter, a little rock, and upon this rock I will build my, now go ahead and finish the sentence. What are you going to say? Church. Well, that's what we have in our English translation, and that's what we've been taught since the time of the Latin Christian empire on earth's dawn. But is that the word that Jesus used? And is that the concept that Jesus was bringing forward as his will for his people? Did he say, upon this rock, I will build my church? Is that the word that he used? No, the word that he used was, I will build my ecclesia, or echinoia, which has basically the same meaning. So, first of all, Jesus was not talking about building a structure, a system, an organization, because as I mentioned to you already, that word is associated with the people themselves. And that's why we see the concept repeated in the letter of First Peter about God's people or Christ's people being living stones that are built up into a spiritual house. That was reinforcing what Jesus said. Upon this rock, what? The rock of the revelation of who I am. I am the living stone. Upon this rock, I will build up my lively stones into a spiritual house, an ecclesia. Now, many of you will say to me, oh, yeah, but isn't ecclesia? I've heard or I've read that church is the translation of the word ecclesia. Yeah, you've heard and you've read, but you've heard and you've read wrong. It is not a translation of the word ecclesia. It is what's called a transliteration of the word ecclesia. What does that mean? Well, that means simply that instead of translating word to word, you're translating idea to idea or concept to concept. So you people, I'll die for the King James people out there. I want you to listen to me well. There was an idea that King James and his servants, for instance, wanted to convey. They didn't like Wycliffe's idea of translating the first English Bible ritual translation of the word so he translated ecclesia to congregation, 
which he was drawing not only from the Greek. I hope it's not getting too deep, but follow me here for a minute. He traced it back not only to the Greek, but he traced it back to the Hebrew. And the same concept, listen to this well, even for the nation of Israel, God had the same concept that it was about a people. Think about it. He called a people out of Egypt, representing Satan and the world system, he called the people out of Egypt into a desert. He didn't bring them to Vatican City, a place full of temples and religious ceremony and observance. And, and, no, he brought them into a desert. And they dwelt in tents. Do you remember the resistance that David got from God when David had this grandiose idea of building a temple? Where did he get the idea from? He saw the pagan temples of the nations that he had conquered. And he said, you are my God. The pagan nations build temple to their false gods. But God, I want to build a temple to the true God. And what did God say to him through the prophet Nathan? He said, I have been pleased to dwell in tents and to have my people on the move, for my kingdom is a movement. I'm not looking to be encased, to be enshrined, to be imprisoned by stones built together by the hands of sinful men. That's not what I'm looking for. I don't know if you've ever thought of that before, but that's the truth. So, Wycliffe went back to the word kahal in the Hebrew. Pretty much the equivalent to ecclesia in the Greek. It was the focus of a, of a called out or separated community. Kahal doesn't mean synagogue. It doesn't mean temple. It means a chosen, separated community. So even under the old covenant, God was focused on the people. And it was the people that he was building, not uh, a nation, not a religious system, and so on. Okay? So, the translators of your English Bibles, though, they don't like that concept. Because this strips them of their authority over the people. And the state has been traditionally, as written in the book of Revelation chapter 13, the beast and the false prophet uh, ruled by the dragon, there's a marriage there, see? The state has been, you know, father state has been married to mother whore all throughout the centuries since, since the, the resurrection of Christ. So Father State wants the concept in the Word of God to be that of being submitted to a structure, a building, an organization, a religious system in submission to human lords. And they claim, when they were challenged on, on this translation, they claimed that it was the word koriakon in the Greek that they were taking church from. Okay, because koriakon means house of the Lord or the Lord's house. But that doesn't necessarily mean the Lord of heaven, people. 
In those days and even today, we still have lords on the earth. They're lord of the manor, okay? They're lords, all right? So it has to do with being submitted to the state. But here's the interesting fact about that. The word is not koreakon that Jesus used or that the writers of the New Testament used. They used the word ecclesia. And church, which I'll get into in another time, it's just going to be too much for tonight. But just to, to kind of whet your appetite, the word church has nothing to do with the meaning of the word ecclesia. It doesn't even come from the Greek language. It comes from the Latin. And it didn't come until hundreds of years later when the Latin rulers... And their scribes began to publish the word of God and the kingdom of God in the Latin language. And the word church comes from the Latin word kirka, C-I-R-C-E. And we'll get into details next time I talk to you. But basically, the word means circle, okay? Just like the occult, when they meet together, the Druids, they meet together, the Satanists, they meet together. You know, witches, when they get together, they meet in a circle. Okay? Circle, the circle of life, you've heard about that. The yin and the yang, the serpent eating its own tail of Gnosticism, the circle. Okay? It also means circus. Okay, and anyone looking at the church today, especially in the United States of America, can definitely say, this is a circus, okay? And thirdly, here's the big one, and I said, as I said, we'll get into this next time. The third one is a goddess. It's the name of a goddess, Kika. Who was this goddess? This goddess, Kika. Listen well, daughter of the sun god. Who is the sun god? Baal. Baal is the sun god. Now, there are many conservative uh, right-wing Christians and so on. I see them on the Internet. Even some of them are my colleagues, if you want to call it that, compatriots, whatever, fellow Christians, that are railing against the exaltation of the god Baal in this land of America, okay? But what they don't realize is what they're railing against, they're part of, because church means, at its very definition, the word kirko, which is the translated, the word church in English, means daughter of the sun god Baal. I'll, I'll share this with you next time. The description of that daughter of the sun god Baal is the exact description of the whore who rides the beast in Revelation chapter 17. See, people, the scriptures 
we don't seem to understand this today. We're too far removed. But the scriptures were not written in a vacuum. Okay, this John, whoever he was, whether he was the apostle or whether he was another John, doesn't really matter. The one who received this visitation and this revelation from Jesus of Nazareth himself, he didn't write in a vacuum. Just like when I'm preaching here, what do I what do I draw upon? I draw upon signs, symbols, current events, historical um, precedents. I draw upon different things that your mind can associate what I'm talking about with, right? So that you can make reference, so you can make comparison. So you can say, oh, just like when Jesus preached, you said, what shall I liken the kingdom of God unto? The kingdom of God is like a farmer. The kingdom of God is like a mountain. The kingdom of God is, he, he, he made that association so people could relate to what he was talking about because he was bringing down spiritual truths and trying to make them be understood in the natural mind. Well, it's the same thing with the writers of the scripture. So when this writer... John was given these visions. Don't you think he saw these gods and goddesses? Don't you think he saw the gods and goddesses of the Roman Empire, of the Greek church, of, of mythology, of antiquity? Don't you think he saw these things? And he associated for his audience, he made the association that they would know what he was talking about. So, he showed this goddess, Kiaka, this goddess church, as a whore riding the beasts with ten horns and seven crowns, had ten heads and seven crowns, in a desert. He used that symbology, and she had a cup in her hand, and on her forehead and all over the cup were written what? Blasphemies, false doctrine, apostasy, curses, witchcraft, so on and so forth. Use your imagination. And what was in the cup? The blood of the martyrs and of the saints. But who is this woman, people? Her name is Kieka. Her name is Church. I'll leave you to chew on that, and we'll uh, we'll get into more the next time I'm I'm with you. Dee, are you are you on the line? Yes, I am, brother. I've been okay. listening intently. Can you Praise hear me? the Lord. I can hear you. I can hear you. Um, I want to go ahead and we got, a, I guess, another 45 minutes if we want to use it. Uh, if any folks want to make some comments or if they have questions or anything you folks want to share. or um, So I wanted to, to see if, if anyone uh, has anything they'd like to to ask or like to say or well, absolutely. I'm sure. I'm sure everybody is digesting some of of what you have uh, introduced, brother. Um, mm-hmm. Now, can you give us the 
spelling of this word Kieka so that I can put it in the lobby? Yes, it's C as in cat, I as in island, R as in uh, rover, C as in cat, E as in Edward. And that means circus, doesn't it? It means circus, it means circle, and the most nefarious meaning is it's, it's not a meaning, it's a name. It's the name of this goddess, the daughter of the sun god Baal. Yeah. And this is the word that's been translated. And I didn't get into this, but it translated into the Anglo-Saxon, for instance, in Scottish and English, Kirk. Yeah, K-I-R-K. Same word. And then when it comes into German, Kirche. Okay? K-I-R-C-H-E. Same word. And then when it finally comes into uh you know, modern English, we say modern, we mean after the turn of the first millennium, basically. It comes to the word church. C-H-U-R-C-H. You see how close that Isn't is? Isn't that something? Isn't that something? You know, I yes. was, when we were talking before, um, and I've realized that a lot of the things that are being presented are are kind of a hard word for those of us mm-hmm. that have, uh, you know, waxed very patriotic, um, for yes. instance. And, and um, I've witnessed about some of these things as well on Witness Project. Uh, I've spoken about what the Statue of Liberty, if you would, is. That's, that's, yes. that's Semiramis has the face of Mithras, which was also Mithras that was being worshipped in secret by all the leaders and the, you know, uh, Constantine's army. Yes. Even though Constantine said, you know, uh, recognized the Christians and wanted to join with them, he also wanted to join in paganism and join Mary all together there their feet and things like this because um, he couldn't defeat the blood of the martyrs at the time. I mean, it was coming back to bite him, and the Christians, as you said, would not bow down. Now, later, uh, there was a pope, and I want to say, I don't want to misquote which pope it was, but there was a pope, was it Pope Leo? I hate to misquote that, but um, Mm -hmm. there was a pope who actually went uh, after uh, Christians who also would not bow down um, mm-hmm. to the papacy. And so many were killed that um, in in one day, for instance, there were more mm-hmm. killed than um, all that were killed in that, uh, in that, in the previous wars and by, uh, you know, Caligula and the like. So um, yeah. we have, uh, you know, some things to take a hard look at and whether or not we've adopted traditions that were of man that we're holding dear to us that we're not willing to surrender. And yeah. an example of that would be um, 
you know, it seems like a ridiculous, you know, thing for people to be so offended at, but it's happened many times that people become offended with me when I speak about uh, Easter, Ishtar, Easter eggs, and things like that. Because we get these, um, you know, these sacred cows that that involve religion and what we've been taught. So when we've been taught these things and this is worshiping God, then it it might be a little hard for us to accept. But I would have yeah. to I would have to say that um, a, a real uh, example of this mixture and this corruption in the root of um, churches and what fruit is coming out of those corrupt roots is getting mm-hmm. more and more uh, you know blatant in its yes. corruption. And so, yeah. um, I mean, where is this all leading? Will you someday see churches that also um, allow every other kind of religion to come in? Okay. Well, and we're then, already there, aren't we? Say, just be on the stage at the same time. Or, I mean, how yes. ridiculous does this circus become? Because that 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 corrupt tree, uh, those corrupt yes. roots can never bear uh, incorrupt fruit. Sounds like mm-hmm. we have a call. Sure. Yeah, this is Check Chris who's called in and he's asked. Yeah, uh, this is Chris that is called in for prayer. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, hi. Um, uh, hi. from New York. How you doing? Hi, Chris. Uh, I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> Good. Um, I called in, hopefully, uh, looking to get some prayer. Okay. And what well, do you need prayer about? Just um, some physical issues that I'm not really sure the cause of, but I've been having just physical? issues on and off for... Uh, yes. Okay. Go ahead. Can, I've been having can you describe like a little bit? Years. Can, you, can, can, you, can you describe a little bit if it's not too personal? Tell me what you're suffering with. Uh, sure. Yeah, I've been uh, struggling with something for like six years, ever since I had a seizure. And okay. the main, so first the issue was just like a foggy mind. It's something called derealization where you're like, it's such a foggy mind you feel detached from reality. And okay. So that's been lingering, but on top of that has been things like spasms in my chest, um, pains in my left side, under my chest and under my ribs sometimes, uh, numbness, fatigue. Okay. Okay. Have you been checked, have you been checked by a doctor for, you know, heart related issues and all that already? Anything? Yes. Yes. Yeah. When I had the seizure, I was, um, I had doctor's appointments. Well, I was in the hospital for three days. They did all these tests and then I was even, um, hooked up to a heart monitor for, uh, at least a month it was, and then I would go mm-hmm. back for checkups constantly. Okay. And they didn't know. They didn't. They couldn't figure out what what it is. But I've had the spasms since I was young, on okay. and off, but not as bad as they've become. Can you associate um, the? Can you excuse me, Chris? Can you connect mm-hmm. the spasms to any type of uh, event? 
any type of traumatic event, any type of event that you could say this is when this happened uh, along with this situation, or is it just totally detached from anything that might have happened as far as you understand? Well, there's only two things that come to mind. Okay. And the one that's, like, I can't pinpoint it exactly because it was a long time ago, but one thing I did, I used to work out, and I would bring the weights down far and kind of bounce them on my chest. Okay. And I think doing that and and having my hands out really wide kind of stretched my sternum because then the only thing after that, I'd be able to kind of, crack my sternum a lot but that didn't I don't know about the spasms but I do know I I did mess with new age junk when I was younger for a period of time and okay so when you say young when did the spasms start you were a child or you were a young man I would probably say it could have been maybe middle school or high school possibly okay all right okay and all of a sudden the spasm started randomly and we went and when was the seizure? When was the seizure? About six years ago. Okay, so that's more recent. Yes. Okay. Let me ask you this, Chris. Um, when you get the spasm or when you got the seizure or any of that, was there anything that you would connect that you were fearful, that you were upset about, that there was anything that was emotional, or was it just purely physical? Um. When the spasm does it come when you're upset? Now, no. Okay. No, so it's just a, it feels like a physical thing. Well, I did pray. Like before, I had the seizure. I was mm-hmm. struggling to get back to the Lord, and okay. I renounced all that new age new age stuff, and I was just okay. wanting to get back to the Lord. So I prayed to prayed to God, and I said, I can't get out of this 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 stronghold of of going out partying with friends and all that kind of stuff, but I wanted yeah. to get out of it. So yeah. I said, God, I need you to do something. Just get me out of it so I can focus on you. And I didn't okay. know what would happen, but within a month, then I had that seizure. Okay. So that's the only thing all I right. can link to anything. All right, let me ask you about the foggy mind. When does that happen? Is that you? Can you associate that with anything, connect it to anything? Yeah. That okay. first, I first had that feeling when I smoked uh, marijuana back in, like, Ninety-nine, two thousand. Okay. And you're getting that feeling now without the substance. Is that what you're telling me? Right. Marijuana did it. I quit that back then in like 2000, 2001, whenever it happened really bad. Okay. And then I would get the right. feeling sometimes from hangovers from drinking, but oh, okay. not strong. It would just be from hangovers until I had the seizure, but it would always go away. But then I had the seizure, mm-hmm. and then... That feeling was strong like six, five years ago. Okay. But that's gone right. down, but it's still okay. there. Like I can still feel it. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to pray. Danny, I'd like to know. I'd like to know Go if ahead. he is on any medication right now for the seizures. No, because it was just one time anything. that I had it, and the doctors okay. just found that I was dehydrated. All okay. Right. So you're not you're not on any substances that would cause any of these symptoms. No. Okay. It's very important, Chris, that we ask that because you know we have to determine what's spiritual and what's natural. You follow what I mean? What's right. induced from you know a chemical or or whatever, and what's what could be spiritual. So from what I'm right. hearing from you right now, 
it sounds very spiritual. It sounds like there's a spirit that's attached to your experiences in the past where you dabbled in these things, where you opened yourself up to this, of course, in your ignorance, right? We all do. And uh, when you made the decision, this is quite common, when you made the decision to turn your back on the kingdom of darkness and you really want to walk with Christ, this thing wants to fight now, see? Wants to pull you back, wants to keep you where you are, wants to induce fear. You know that that fear is one of Satan's biggest weapons, right? Oh, yeah. Also confusion. And he, demons can also cause physical manifestations and when when i that's why i asked you did you go to the doctor when you go to the doctor and the doctor doesn't find anything physically associated with something you're experiencing then it's usually a demon masquerading as an illness or a disorder that's why you saw in the bible many times jesus called out a spirit when it appeared to be a physical problem Right? right. Sometimes he just healed physical problems because they were physical problems. But there were other times when Jesus saw that it was the spirit at work uh, masquerading as a physical problem. So this is what I'm seeing here. Uh, so you're you're obviously committed to the Lord. You you love the Lord and you want to follow. Him. Let me ask you this: Have you ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Have you ever received the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yes, you've spoken in tongues? Yes. Okay. All right, good. All right, Chris, so we're going to pray now. And here's the thing, Chris. Um, a lot of Christians today with prayer, uh, they they always expect something to happen to them, right? But what's very important with prayer is that we understand that we're participants, so when, when we pray together now, I'm going to pray with you, and of course Dee and the other people on the call, whoever's on here with us, they're going to agree with us. And you're also involved in this, Chris. So what's most important, remember Jesus used to always ask somebody, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be free, right? And think about this. Even that demoniac who had all those demons inside of him, remember they chained him up to the stones because he was so full of demons? But notice that with all those demons inside of him, the will of the man still prevailed to get to Jesus. So the human will is very powerful, all right? So as I pray for you now, it's very important that you now agree and exercise your will toward this, that to receive the deliverance that God that God uh, wants to give you. All right. So, Father, right now in Jesus' name, we praise you, Lord, and we thank you for Brother Chris. Thank you for moving upon his heart to call in tonight, and I thank you that tonight, Lord, will be. Uh, his deliverance from this this uh, pest. That's what I call him. He's a pest. And right now, Satan, we speak to you in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, tormenting spirit, you tormenting spirit who, who believe that you still have right and territory over this man, Chris, He has renounced you, and he's going to renounce you again now in in front of witnesses. I command you right now, 
you spirit of darkness, you spirit of confusion and malice, in the name of Jesus, I address you in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, by the word of God, and by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I command you right now, Satan, be rooted up and out of this man. Be rooted up and out of this man. Leave him now. Leave him now. Leave him now. Come out. In Jesus' name, let go of his mind. Let go of his emotions. And stop causing spasm and seizure in that body. You will no longer cause spasm and seizure in that body. You will uproot yourself right now. And go in Jesus' name. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, right now, I just ask you to feel, fill Chris right now. Holy Ghost, fill him. Out of his belly flows rivers of living waters bubbling up to eternal life. Be filled afresh from within, Chris, right now, by the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit in fire right now. Cleanse your vessel. Cleanse your vessel spiritually. Cleanse your vessel psychically. And cleanse your vessel physically. Be healed in Jesus' name right now. Be healed in Jesus' name right now. Now, now, Chris, I want you to to give a renunciation of this thing in front of uh, your brothers and sisters who are witnesses. Let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Just renounce the spirit and its works. Okay. I renounce the spirit of infirmity right now in Jesus' name. I renounce the spirit of witchcraft, spirit of yes. of all types of evil, um, uh, messing with Ouija boards, new age spirits, you get out right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I renounce every last unclean spirit that is attached Hallelujah. himself to me, or uh, I, I, I break all assignments in the name of Jesus Christ and and cast you all away, and you lose my number, you lose my address, and you have no right here whatsoever by the blood of Jesus. He's paid the price. I'm redeemed, and I'm brand new in Christ Jesus. You have no authority. In Jesus' name, you're under his feet. Amen, Chris. Amen, Amen. brother. Brother, you need to stay in fellowship. Yeah, go ahead, D. Stay in fellowship, Chris. You got to stay in fellowship. Go ahead, D. Amen. Amen. Hi, Chris. It's nice to have you call in. Thank you uh, for trusting Uh, us and for trusting in Jesus and and for having faith. Amen. So we're just going to have faith. With you, and uh, I'm just going to also ask uh, the listeners and uh, and the audience to also take a moment to address this thing all as one accord, and we're going to command it in the name of Jesus and call out each individual thing. So, in the name of Jesus, take all authority over every ser- uh, serpent and scorpion. Command you to go in the name of Jesus. I call out. Numbness, numbness, manifest and go in Jesus' name. Come out in the name of Jesus. You're to come out of his body. Bow to Jesus Christ now. Go in the name of Jesus. Go in the name of Jesus. Are you uh, feeling anything, brother? Do you have any warmth or anything changing or any pain or anything stirring up? Um. No, I just feel a little bit of tightness in my chest. All right. Hang on. Okay. Fatigue. Fatigue. 
We call you out. You manifest now and go in the name of Jesus. Out. All the way out. Coming out. All the way out. Be uprooted out of your place. This is not your habitation. Look upon the seal. Look upon the seal on this man. He belongs to Jesus and we have all authority over you. And we all touch and agree. Fatigue. Seizure. Any kind of fogginess, we just release clarity of mind to him, command all fogginess and confusion to come out of his mind now and go in the name of Jesus. Seizure, come out of his body. Any deaf, dumb, blind spirit, come up out of his body now, manifest and go in Jesus' name. Whatever you are causing the tightness around his chest, loose him now in the name of Jesus. You must obey in the name of Jesus we sever that band that cord whatever tether you placed on him through through sin through the bondage of sin and we loose you from him now come up come out all the way out now do you has anything changed brother I think it's a little looser in my chest I don't really well, feel that tight okay Loose him completely. You may not remain. We sever that fetter, that tether. He has repented, and you have no legal right. Now come all the way out. Come all the way out. Go to the feet of Jesus for early judgment. Go now. In the name of Jesus, we command you. Now, we're all agreeing over here, and uh, a lot of our listeners are used to coming together and of one accord commanding things to go. And we don't take no for an answer. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. Sometimes if there is something that is unrepented, if an unforgiven, okay, that can kind of be a blocker. If you've got some hidden sin that you don't want to give up where you're in uh, disobedience, okay, to the Lord, that can be a hindrance. But all must bow to the name of Jesus. And by the power of his blood. So have faith in that. The Lord sets you free. If there's anything that you must repent of, do that. And uh, you can always call us back. But we stand on the promises of God for you. That he who is free is free indeed. Amen. 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 Well, I do believe that. Amen. uh, A lot of times I like to, you know, I like to see him come out right then. But sometimes the territory gets taken back a little bit at a time. But pretty much um, on Pastor Colonel's show, he gets very, very, uh, oh, so many people get healed. So I don't want to uh, be remiss and fail to also speak that over you, uh, healing and agree with Danny for you. So I say that in the name of Jesus, be healed and made whole. Amen. Be healed and made whole. Be set free of every yoke of bondage. Amen. Amen. We'd love to hear from you again. Well, and, uh, God bless you, Chris. Amen. God bless you guys, too. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling, for for sure. Amen. We have someone else, D? I don't know, Chuck. Is there anybody else on the line at present? Let no me get the number out. Time. Okay, the number is 
753-1977 and press 1 to let Chuck know that you'd like to be prayed for. And um, Brother Danny, uh, where yes. were we? I mean, what an interesting conversation and some things that you presented tonight and uh, somewhat shaking, shaking of uh, our uh, the constructs of, of uh, our belief system. But I really yeah. want to emphasize that uh, Jesus' answer was, come out of her, my people. And Amen. it's not that we're going to reform, okay, the, uh, the church. Um, it, it's not that we are going to reform any pagan systems and change the world, but uh, be a witness of Jesus Christ in the world. And one thing that came to my mind while I was listening to you earlier, was that the land, okay, technically the land belongs to the Lord. I hear something really loud in the background somewhere. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, is that you, Brother Danny? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I had to put something down. It made noise. I, I apologize. Go ahead. It's okay. Um, anyway, uh, it's. I find it very uh, interesting that Jesus told us to occupy until he comes. And mm-hmm. so if we if we really get the understanding that we are citizens, okay, of heaven and that the land belongs to the Lord and Jesus told us to occupy until he comes, well, doesn't that say that we have we basically have a foreign occupation going on? And the rulership in the earth, um, and so we are we are um, to occupy and witness Christ, and and these things are for the harvest to come. Yes, okay, for exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. amen. So you see, the whole thing is when we you, go ahead. You you finish. Go ahead. Finish your thought. No. I, I was actually finished there, brother. I just wanted to add that. Um, Okay. Yes. Well, the thing is, it's all a matter of the focus, see? People have taken those few words, again, you know, read the whole parable, read the whole statement. But still, uh, you know, when we have the understanding of where Christ's focus is, which is on the vessels, uh, you know, that's why he made the statement that basically he would watch the whole universe burn and in order to save one soul. In other words, he said not the, the whole universe is not worth the price of one soul for him, you know, the whole world. That's what Jesus came to redeem because, I mean, we're told in the scripture over and over that, that God is, is going to, he's even ultimately going to create a new heaven and a new earth. So even this earth and the heaven surrounding it, the firmament, is not going to be eternal. This this is going to be burned up, and God is going to create a whole – it's going to be a whole new creation. I mean, I cannot fathom it. I can't explain it. I mean, scientifically, I have no idea how he's going to do that, but that's what he says he's going to do. And as far as I'm concerned, I think Jesus just has a point to make for a thousand years, you know, that he is – the creator of this world, and he is the Lord of his creation, and he will come and rule here, um, 
you know, for a thousand years. But then we're told that he, he allows one more uprising, right? Revelation uh, 20. He allows Satan one more chance. Or, you know, what what that all encompasses, I cannot get wrap my head around, but it says he's going to do it. And then those, those forces will finally be um, completely vanquished and then you know satan will then go into the lake of fire all the fallen angels the demons the hybrids and all the humans that followed them will be judged uh you know the books are open and they'll be thrown into the lake of fire not hell hell is only a a jail the lake of fire is the prison you know we talk about hell all the time but hell is really just a, a jail uh you know a holding place before you're shipped off to prison a lake the lake of fire is actually the eternal prison for those spirits and those human beings who followed the spirits those evil spirits um, and then we're told that the new jerusalem god creates a new heaven and a new earth and he brings the new jerusalem down to that new earth and god actually himself the father actually takes up residence with um, the perfectly new reborn creation. So it's just amazing. I mean, you know, what God has revealed to us that he's going to do. And, uh, you know, but for me, Occupy Till I Come is, is exactly what we've been talking about tonight. Occupy has to do with, you know, taking enemy territory. We, But see, because we're in the flesh, in our thinking, and we're thinking worldly. We're thinking territory means physical places on the earth. The territory, and the only territory ultimately that even the devils are concerned with, are the souls of God's creation. So that's where we're to occupy till he comes. In other words, we're to take back these souls out of the kingdom of darkness so that when he comes, they will inherit the earth, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? The meek shall inherit the earth. Um, so that, that again, that goes right along with what I was talking about. This twisting of the new, of the Great Commission. The Great Commission has become, you know, well, we got to take the land for Christ. We got to take the nations for Christ. Well, that's not what Christ meant. He said, "Go and disciple." you know, the nations. In other words, go and disciple the people of the nations. And, um, you know, all throughout history, it's we. I mean, it, the historical precedent has been that it's always a remnant. It's always a small number of people. You know, there's never been the turnaround of a whole nation that, you know, is, is following Christ. It's just not... Um, it's not realistic. That's not what Christ came to do. I mean... If that was what he came to do, don't you think he would have done it when he was here? And I also often yeah, tell people, too, to look at what did Christ emphasize when he was here? What did he emphasize? If he wanted to put the emphasis on the things that were so... Exactly. Did Jesus try to reform Israel? Is there anything in his speech calling Israel the nation back to God? Is there anything in Jesus' speech talking about uh, going and infiltrating the Roman system and getting, uh, you know, 
rabbis appointed into places of political authority to change the landscape of the Roman Empire. Is there anything like that in his? Is there anything in his um, in his speech about defending ourselves against our enemies? That's the big Actually, one that Americans get very upset with me. He did, he did not. He said, "Let God be your defense." And, and you his, know, uh, this, brother, is, this actually, is the part. Go ahead. He he said um, he said he prophesied that uh, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church, and that word ecclesia was used there. Mm-hmm. The, uh, and so, um, really, our target is not uh, setting up and overturning the kingdoms of the world, as far as. Um, you know the the it actually our target is the gates of hell. The, I, exactly. Should, the gates of hell are where are they on earth? No, the gates of hell are in hell, right? Think about it, right? So again, that's a spiritual concept, right? And this is the whole thing. It's spiritual versus spiritual. Jesus was not creating a physical structure or a physical system to fight a physical system because he understood that the war is not in the physical the war is in the spiritual so his definition of who his house is who his people are who his kingdom is is spiritual and the gates of a spiritual kingdom right the kingdom of darkness the kingdom of hell representing the evil spirits is a spiritual kingdom that cannot prevail, cannot block, uh, just like we just did with this man right now, right? The gates of hell trying to hold that man in bondage cannot prevail against us coming in the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus and the Word of God. That's all spiritual. And again, it's about a vessel, a human vessel, it's not about his house. That's why all this nonsense with people going, you know, like the exorcist and going and, you know, putting crosses on the wall and cleansing houses. And all this comes from this wrong idea of where the emphasis is. Because they go to a physical house to worship God and they call that the church, they call that God's house, then they also believe that when someone needs to be delivered, that they need to cleanse a physical house. Well, the physical house that needs to be cleansed is the human being. If the human being, uh, you know, I mean, even people who aren't Christians understand, they call it an, an aura, right? Or an energy that surrounds a person, a spiritual energy or an aura that surrounds a person, right? So the person has their own spiritual environment around them. So if I'm totally submitted to Christ and I've call you know commanded all evil spirits to be expelled from my being they can't remain in my environment but yet there are so many people that get into cleansing physical houses and things of that nature and that entity is still hiding inside that person right and that's the house that the devil wants to occupy jesus told us clearly that right 
What did he say? He said, when an evil spirit is cast out of a man, right? Cast out of a man, not cast out of a man's house, not cast out of a man's car. When an evil spirit is cast out of a man's body, out of a man's soul, it goes into dry places. We know the scripture, right? Looking for somewhere else to dwell. When he doesn't find another place to dwell, he comes back to the original house. What was the original house? The man himself. And he sees that the house has been swept and cleaned, and he says there's room in the house and even more room than before. So I will go and get some other spirits, and we'll all go into that man. And Jesus says the last state of that man is worse than at the beginning. Well, I, to me, that represents religion. And I think there are people that get delivered miraculously because Jesus is so compassionate. He delivers people from de demonic powers. But then these people go and get religious. They sweep their house clean. But they don't allow the Holy Spirit to fill their house. They don't allow the Word of God to fill their house. And guess what comes back in? The devil knows he has to be smarter this time. He can't come back in the spirit of a witch or the spirit of drugs and alcohol. No, he's going to come back now as a religious spirit. That's why you got all this weird stuff going on in churches uh, where people are acting more like acid freaks and, and new agers than uh, people that are actually involved in those things because there's another spirit that's entered in there that's masquerading as, as the Holy Spirit many times, right? But doing things and saying things and teaching things that don't agree with the Word of God. You see? And um, this is what Jesus meant, you know, that the house has to be filled. So that's why I asked his brother Chris, has he been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And when I prayed for him, I prayed for the Holy Spirit to refresh him. Because people don't mm -hmm. understand. People spend so much time focusing on casting out, casting out, deliverance, deliverance. Deli well, that's great to get it out, and it definitely has to get, it has to come out. But what's coming in to replace it? Amen. This is more important, actually. Keep that house filled with the Holy Spirit and with the Word of God. And there are Christians today are so scripture poor, okay, because in the pagan temple, in the church, it's very rare that the actual scripture is actually taught and it taught in context, that it's actually, we talked about this earlier today, Dee, that it's the yeah, sincere milk of the, milk of the Word of God that they can grow thereby. No, it's, it's psychobabble, um, you know, worldly concepts or New Age concepts, okay, theosophy, the law of attraction, and all this witchcraft masquerading as you know, the word of faith, so to speak. But it's not the word of God. It might be the word of faith in these, you know, in sorcery, Simon the sorcerer faith, but it's not the word of the living God. And that's why we see the fruit that we see on the tree. People are, are just, you know, losing their minds and going off the rails.
Yeah, madness is a, is the fruit of all these things. Um, brother, yeah. thank you so much for uh, coming tonight. Again, I want to give Danny's website. It's godisnotreligious.net. And uh encourage you also to support his upcoming mission starting yes. in May. And yeah, starting in May going, and then through June. Yeah, and June. Danny is going to start this time going to Pakistan. And we're going to pray uh, for that mission and be praying for you and the people in Pakistan. And my heart was so glad um, to, when you told me that... Um, Muslims are coming to the Lord and uh, coming to know Jesus and um, that they are, you know, even to be willing to carry the witness of Jesus Christ in that land where uh, persecution is so, um, well, it it, it could be deadly. It could be deadly. Um, This is the, the front line, another front line. Um, where martyrdom actually takes place in Pakistan. So uh, we'll be praying for those people, and I do, um, I do hope that they will be on fire for the Lord. That they that their lamps will shine uh, brightly. That they will not cover their lamps, and that they will have uh, courage and strength, and be strengthened, and have the joy of the Lord. We will be praying for them, for that, and also for the people in India that uh, you're going to go back and minister to. We have just a few minutes left. Would you like to give uh, any testimonies uh, real quick about the last trip to India? I know that um, that you went a lot of places. There's an orphanage that he supports there. But what about the healings and people coming to Christ? Did you see a lot of... um, of that and uh, some harvest there in India. Uh oh. Hindu Hindu people have that they come, you know, they come for healing and they get healed. And I mean, we test it. We make sure, you know, that they understand that I'm asking them. So it has, you know, is it gone? Is it better? We've seen people that couldn't walk be able to walk. We've seen, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I'm longing to see blind eyes opened. I've seen partial, but I haven't seen the full uh, healing of blindness. I want to see that here on one of these trips coming. Um, We've seen deliverances for sure, demons coming out of people, and for sure we've seen many conversions, many baptisms in the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, we're seeing great things. Well, God bless you, brother. Uh, Pastor Carl has off uh, has off also. I'm trying to say has also made mm-hmm. missions to the same area, and um, he's gone into places where he's the only white man around. You know, places <laughs> where people have never seen a white man, and yeah. um, people have been healed. And uh, there have been deliverances. There's a lot of uh, religious spirits there and a lot of uh, witchcraft and uh, little G gods, you know, being worshipped there. But people do run with the gospel. 
they do run with the gospel and they get on fire for the Lord. And so that's why we pray that the Lord will make them a flame of fire and mm-hmm. um, and also for their being disciples. Well, we sure appreciate you pulling in tonight. And uh, Absolutely. God bless you. And we'll, we'll yeah. see you over on Witness Project soon. Uh, okay. Come back anytime. Okay. We may open up a fellowship on Saturdays for a little while, uh, early in the day, and and maybe you can come over there and and uh, be on there with us as well. So okay. we really appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you guys. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you, Chuck. And I really appreciate for, the opportunity. Yeah, thank you for coming on. For yeah, sure. Thank you for coming for on, sure. Danny. We really appreciate it. So God take bless care you all. And we, okay. Uh, okay. Good night, everybody. Okay. Take us out. Good, Good night. night. Bye-bye.